entitled An Invitation to the Thirst of Isaiah 55, and that's verses 1 to 13, if you'd like to read it out. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good. And you will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of graves um, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. I guess it's me. <laughs> One of the, the privileges we have as Gideons as uh, every year we have a, a state convention, also a national convention and an international convention. And for a long time Gideons came and spoke in the churches but uh, someone had the very good idea that now we've got multimedia and a lot of churches have this sort of facility, why don't we use it and share some of these testimonies that we hear at our conventions with the people in the churches. So that's what I'd like to do today. So you know about the Gideons, an interdenominational association of Christian businessmen and their wives from Protestant and Evangelical churches, just volunteers from the local churches reaching out to reach the lost with God's word. The Gideons now operate in 200 countries around the world and the Bibles that we give out are published in over 101 languages now. Two billion Bibles so far 
around the world have been distributed by the Gideons up to uh, about halfway through 2016. So we're moving on to our third billion. In Australia, over 16 million Bibles have been distributed. We do this through personal witnessing as well as putting them in the hotels and motels. Uh, Earlier this year, we had the uh, Commonwealth Games up on the Gold Coast and uh, Jenny and I were able to go up there. It was, it was very strictly controlled. We applied to put Bibles in the athletes' village and they said, no, you can't do that. And there were DMAs, designated meeting areas, where it was illegal to distribute literature of any sort. So if you were caught distributing literature there, you would be arrested. That's what they set up for the Games, a special legislation for that. But when we approached the, the athletes' village, they said, no, you can't put them in the, in the bedside drawers, but we've got a multi-faith chapel and you can put them in there. So we put 200 Bibles and 50 of the little pocket testaments in there. Uh, they disappeared on the first night. You had 6,000 athletes plus their coaches and everyone else. So we thought, okay, so we put another 400 Bibles and this time 200 testaments in that multi-faith and they had gone by the end of the week. What we found out talking to the athletes later, uh, a lot of them were taking the Bibles for their families and the little pocket testaments for themselves to use. And although we couldn't go into the designated meeting areas, we could, we could go into the streets and into the parks. There's a lot of international visitors there and so on. Start up a conversation and if it led somewhere where you thought it was appropriate, you could give out a little personal worker's testament, uh, the little pocket testaments that we refer to. So in the week leading up to the Games and the Games, uh, over 10,000 testaments were given out. So that's our personal witnessing. Isaiah 55.11 that we read earlier, very, very dear to the Gideons. They're probably best known for the hotels and the motels <laughs> when you travel around. Uh, you often open the bedside drawer and there's, there's a Bible that some, some dear Gideon's placed and uh, this is one of the results. Oh, I, I want to thank you so much for allowing me to come up and, and just boast about Gideon's and Jesus because without them I'd be dead and, um, and I don't say that lightly even though I look like I am. I just want you to know that... I'm a fairly confident, outgoing, bubbly person. You'd think, well, that must be your nature. But that wasn't my nature. That's something that God's developed within me. That's something that God's given me as a gift to be able to go and share and tell what he's already done for me. 18 years old, I met a guy who was into drugs and that seemed like, okay, Everything else in life sucks. Maybe if I just get out of it, I'll be able to enjoy life. I see other people enjoying life. I'm going to give it a go. I presumed that that would make me happy. And when it didn't, my crash was so much further. My crash was so much harder because I'd put my hope into that. So I couldn't even get out of it and feel good. And so that's when I decided that I would take my life got into my car and I drove. There was a, a light on in a motel 
a vacancy. And uh, I'd been... I'd been crying, smoking drugs, it was raining, it was full on, it was just intense. It was, I was thinking, how the heck do you do this? How will I make, you know, this final, final move? And anyway, I got into this motel room, I turned in there and I went in and I sat down on the floor and, and I had, had some drugs there. And um, I looked at eye level and there was a Bible and it was placed there by the Gideons into this motel room. And I saw that Bible and I don't know why, but it just called to me and I just remember opening it. And I still today don't remember the scripture that I read, but what I do remember is an audible, audible voice from heaven saying to me, Christine, this is not the end of your life, this is the beginning. And the transforming, total, 100% sold out power of God took me from a place of destruction, rebellion and mess and transformed me. I did not know about a sinner's prayer. Somebody didn't hand it to me and say, this is what you have to do and this is what you have to say. I just thought, this is it. God thinks I'm okay. I'm going to be able to live. And I drove back to my mother's house, hadn't been living there for a number of years, knocked on a door and went, Hi, Mum, I'm a Christian. Now, I had to scrape Mum off the floor because she's like, You? What? And in I went and Mum and my dad and I began the journey of restoration and we have these wonderful children, we have this wonderful life and a wonderful ministry and it's all because the word of God is so transforming and so powerful and a Gideon bothered to put it in a place where a desperate person could find it and not be dead but live. Not just save me but how many more have been saved? If you ever want to visit Christine, she and her husband are pastors in a community church at Oladulla on the New South Wales South Coast. We also go into the schools and obviously we've had feedback from some of the students. Hi there, my name's Luke Harris and I'm the pastor of Empowered Church and uh, I just wanted to share with you today for a couple of moments my story of when I first uh, had an encounter with the ministry of the Gideons. It was in grade 11 of high school that I came to faith in Christ and I can clearly recall the day that these two gentlemen came from the Gideons and they presented boxes of new red New Testament to senior year levels of our high school. I don't remember much of what it was that they said, but I do remember one line where they said, these Bibles are red on the outside and we hope for them to be red on the inside. I remember there being an audible groan, but can I say, almost 20 years on, I still remember that line. I also remember that straight after that school assembly, my fellow students were ripping their Bibles up. I remember seeing some of them throwing them on the ground and stomping on them. I saw... Bibles going into bins. I mean, there were some that put it in their school bags, but there were plenty that were trashed and ripped and thrown on the ground. But I want to say to those gentlemen, I want to say to those that are continuing to do the good work of the Gideons, that this student loved that gift that day. 
And in fact, I used to cherish that Bible. I took it with me to school every day. I read it during lunch hours. And in fact, still to this day, I have my Gideon's Bible. And uh, I keep it as a memento of those early years of faith. And I remember uh, one Sunday night, my pastor sharing a message on evangelism and the importance of the Great Commission out of Matthew 28. And I was so inspired about starting to share my faith with my fellow students that I went to the vice principal of the school and I said, are there any more of these Bibles left over? He said, yep, there's about a half a box there. I took them, I put them in my locker and I started going around during the lunch hour and just sharing my faith with various students in my high school, caring for them, looking after them, specifically looking out for those that everybody else was rejecting to just show them the love of Jesus. Do you know in those next 18 months, there were 23 students that came to Christ and every single one of them, I gave the gift of a Red Gideon's Bible. So I want those gentlemen to know from 1996, their donation to the senior year level of Caloundra State High School, that their seed was by no means wasted. It encouraged the salvation of two dozen students, including my own. In the schools, it's not just the students. Um, earlier this year, I went up to Myrtleford P12 and uh, we were able to distribute testaments to the students there and we had the Year 7 uh, coordinator come along with us and we'd, we'd given them out and I, I don't think the woman was converted but she said to the kids, look, you may not read it today, you may not read it this week but I want you to hold on to these little testaments because I had a student come to me last year and he'd gone through a terrible time in his personal life and he came to me and saw me and he said, that little testament was such a help to get me through that time. And so this is the sort of feedback we get uh, from some of the adults and it not only affects the students, sometimes it affects the teachers. I was an atheist, I didn't have any time or need for God and I just thought my life was humming along nicely. The Gideons came to school and I was hostile to the visit. They were taking up my class time and I thought spreading fairy tales amongst the kids. But I must have been touched by what they said somewhere in my soul because I took one of their red testaments and I put it on my shelf and it stayed there for six or seven years untouched. I went through this traumatic period in my life and I thought my life was ruined and beyond repair and I was actually considering suicide. And I said, God, I'm going to believe in you and pray to you for a month and you've got a month to show me the goods. And that's when I took the Gideon's Red Testament home and I opened it to the index page for help, where to find help when. And everything that I read down the list just jumped out my heart and I started to read the Gospel of Matthew and I thought they were exactly the words I needed someone to say to me so reassuring and I thought is this real could God be real I just instantly understood that Jesus is what everybody is searching for and here I was I'd found him I'd mocked him all my adult life and yet he yanked me out of this dark place we go to the universities and the colleges uh, earlier this year there was a group of Gideons went down to Melbourne to the, to the five universities there. So there's uh, Melbourne, there's uh, Victoria, La Trobe, Swinburne and RMIT. And you think that would be fairly lean pickings because, you know, university students, 
are fairly cynical about these sort of things. Uh, over the three days, we gave out over 16,000 copies of God's Word. Hi, my name is Craig Rochelle. I'm the pastor of LifeChurch.tv. And so much of what I'm doing today is a result of how God used the Gideons to get God's Word into my hand to transform my life. When I was in college, my fraternity got in a lot of trouble. I was the ringleader in many ways of the trouble. And so as a PR move, even as a non-Christian, I decided to start a Bible study. The only problem was I didn't own a Bible. And the day that we were scheduled to have our Bible study, I was walking from one class to another when a gentleman, a Gideon, offered me a free green New Testament Bible. I can remember distinctly thinking, well, if there is a God, he must have just worked through that guy. And sure enough, through the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, I read that you're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God so no one can boast. And that's when spiritually I was born anew, forgiven of all my sins by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. To all those who serve in the Gideons, thank you for investing in me. For all those who are investing in the Gideons, thank you for making a difference in thousands and thousands of stories just like mine. The living word is active, powerful. Thank you for getting it out. Into that, we go into the hospitals. Uh, we had an email on Friday passed on to us from head office in Canberra. We had Northeast Health had emailed them and said, "Look, could you send us 50 Bibles and 50 little testaments and the large print testaments uh, for our patients, and so we can get into the hospitals as well." <laughs> My wife started as uh, being fostered as a 17-month-old baby. Well, that's not true. It started a little bit earlier than that, didn't it? <laughs> but um, as a 17-month-old baby, I was a fostered in, into a, a very abusive foster family and my foster uncle and my foster father were pedophiles. And that stuff, it messes with your head. And the little girl who lived next door, she was eight and I was six, and we acted that out. We thought that was normal behaviour. So I spent a lot of time on the streets. And then as a 15-year-old, took off to join the Navy. And if there was a God, I wanted to be very angry with him for what he allowed to happen to me. I had a burst appendix and should have died. I was driving a car with two people in it, and at 70 kilometres an hour, we drove over a mountain and went 40 metres through the air. The car bounced on the side of the mountain and mercifully slammed into a gum tree, and all three of us got out, no injuries. And then not long after that, I'm sitting in my own car as a passenger. Well, my friend tried to steer around the last bend on this very steep hill and he oversteered and we drove over the side of this hill and my car slams into a tree. I'm not wearing a seatbelt. I'm straight through the windscreen. I end up in hospital and in the chest of drawers next to my bed is a little Bible, a Gideon's Bible. And can I please say to you, God bless the Gideons. And if it wasn't for you, I would still be lost to eternity of grief, torment and absolute anger. We distribute where we can to the armed services. Uh, we spoke earlier about groups that go to overseas countries. Uh, earlier this year there was a group went to Venezuela and they announced that they were going to be giving out testaments to uh, anyone that was interested. And this is the group of men that came 
received that testament. That was just a voluntary meeting. And this is the number of men that came and were interested. We go to the emergency service, to the ambos, the police, the fireys. We also go into the prisons. And uh, I think some of the differences we make there in people's lives is huge. You hear about the thousands, the millions of Bibles that are distributed, the remarkable union of pastors and Gideon businessmen and women that are committed to distributing Bibles, but it all comes down to someone like me. My father went to work before the sun came up, and he came home after the sun went down seven days a week. He was an atheist. He never set, set foot in a church, not for a funeral or for a wedding my entire life. When I was at 11 years of age, my mother found herself in the arms of another man and left with my sister and my two brothers, and my father found himself in the arms of a bottle. That same year, I joined a gang. I was arrested for stealing firearms in the fifth grade, stole my first car before I started the sixth grade, and became a ward of the state. At the age of 14, having stabbed a young man, I ended up in Elmira State Reform School and spent my entire high school behind bars. I ended up going in the Marine Corps to avoid further time in prison. By the time I was 18, I was in the jungles of Vietnam as a young Marine. It was another hideous experience that left me violent and unhappy and addicted to drugs and alcohol and pornography, violence and anger. I couldn't understand how people like you could sit by with your suits and go to your churches and not know what was going on in the underbelly of society because I had never worked a day in my life. A habitual welfare case. I stole some credit cards from a doctor and went cross-country, got arrested at Lake Tahoe. I turned 21 in that jail, and I remember my mother saying when I was 14 that I would be in jail or I'd be dead by the time I was 21. I fulfilled her expectations. I tried Scientology. If there was a cult, I tried it. I tried everything but the Bible or church because of the way I was raised. I don't know if it was my shoulder-length hair, the hippie garb, but we found ourselves in one of the nastiest jails I'd ever been in. I would tear pages out of books and roll cigarettes. I found a book with thin pages. So I was smoking Leviticus. And I started reading the Gospel of John. It's hard to stand amongst pastors and Christians and say, I lived in America and I was 21 and it was the first time I held a Bible. As I read the Gospel of John, I put my father's face and his fists on the face of God and I had a hard time believing that God could love me. I did not have a problem with sin. I got the sin part. With no understanding of theology, only that I was a sinner and I needed God, I cried out and I said, God, please forgive me for my sins. Help me. The shackles of sin and shame and guilt dropped away and I wrote a letter to the sheriff that arrested me. Turned out he was a deacon in a church. He came. They dismissed the charges and I was released and on the way back to where we had been arrested, where we had threw our backpacks full of drugs into the woods running from the police, I told the young girl that I had gotten arrested that I found there's an absolute truth. There's a God, and he had a son. And she began to weep. She said, I wasn't sure how to tell you. There was a Bible in my jail cell, and I gave my life to Christ, and I wasn't sure what I was going to tell you when we saw each other in court. What could I do? I married her. Deborah, would you stand up? Someone in a church like yours, who probably never ever introduced anybody to Jesus, paid for a Bible that spent seven years in a hotel before it found its way to that jail cell. And when I gave my life to Christ, he got me.
My five children have been raised Christians and all serve God. My nine children will do the same. My brother I led to Christ, and he's a children's pastor. I led my sister to Christ, and I'm working through it. My sister-in-law just came to Christ. It's 38 years we're praying for him. She just gave her life to Christ recently. I want you to know something. When I get to heaven, I'm going to find the person that paid for that Bible, and I'm going to introduce him to all of the people I've led to Christ. I'm an outreach pastor. I don't spend my time picking fleas off a of sheep in the congregation. I'm talking to lost people all the time. My wife wanted me to be a Gideon, Gideons. But I backslid and became a pastor. And Gideons, it may be a thankless experience at times when you're out there sharing and delivering Bibles and moving around, but I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to find that Gideon who's long dead, I'm sure. He's sitting up there with Lazarus and Abraham. And when I find him, I'm going to kiss his feet and tell him my family never knew what I knew because Gideon's cared enough to put a Bible in a place where I would run into it in the highways and the byways of America. And it grabbed my soul and hasn't let go. And now I long for an opportunity to stand before Gideon's and say, what you do makes a difference. It isn't millions of Bibles, it's millions of people that meet the Savior. We're transformed and we're all the time finding new ways to say, pastors, this isn't a small ministry. It's life-changing. And Gideon's what you do makes a difference. So me and my children and my grandchildren, we salute you. Thank you for serving God in such a meaningful ministry. You wonder why I love the ministry. And yet there's, there's still billions that we're trying to reach. Uh, we have an aim by 2020 to be distributing 120 million scriptures uh, each year. The potential is enormous. We don't see ourselves as, as competing with the churches at all. We, we see ourselves as fellow workers. Sometimes the Gideons can just go uh, where the churches can't go. So what, what do we ask of you? First and foremost, we ask that you pray for us. If you want a specific thing to pray for, we have had Wangaratta High School close to us for some years now. We have gone and approached the new principal and asked if we can distribute testaments at Wangaratta High School and he has taken that to the school council. Uh, we haven't heard back what the school council decided but you could pray for that please. Uh, we distribute at Cathedral College and, and Galen uh, but please pray for Wangaratta High School. You might want to join us. It's, it's a wonderful husband and wife ministry. Jenny and I have been doing it for over 25 years. Uh, if, you're, if you're too busy for, for meetings and that's not your thing, uh, you might want to consider becoming a friend of Gideon's uh, where you can just get hold of the testaments uh, for about $12 a month. But you can, you can distribute those testaments. They're a great witnessing tool. We hope you'll contribute today. Uh, $5 will buy a Bible. $1.50 will pay for a New Testament. And you saw with, with Dean Matten there, uh, one testament. And look at the difference it made in his life and his children's life and his grandchildren's life. 100% of what you give goes into the Scriptures. Uh, all the overheads and administrative costs are, are covered by the Gideons out of, out of their own pockets. You have Gideon cards and there's a selection uh, at the back, outside. From us, thank you. One of the things we've done with the Gideons is develop an app. We have a phone app 
it has over a thousand languages. So you can choose which country and which dialect within that country. The other thing they've done is not only have over a thousand languages that you can download, but 750 of those are in audio. And you think, why would that be important? In so many countries, and you, and you see this time and time again, a house and they've got a dirt floor, but everyone's got their mobile. And a lot of the parents and the grandparents are illiterate. They can't read, but they can hear God's word in their own language. So they give you an app is making a huge difference around the world. So thank you for the time today. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be able to worship with you, share communion with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Thank you.